Hello, everyone. Welcome to or welcome back. This is Aging Ungracefully. My name is Afra, and this week we are nervous energy. <laughs> I know I sound like I'm introducing my band's name. Uh, welcome to the show. Tonight playing for you is Nervous Energy. Guys, guys, this date, February the 12th, came so fucking fast. And I am nervous. So if you haven't didn't listen last week, um, which shame on you, go back and listen to last week. Come on, guys. Come on. Um, but if you didn't listen last week, uh, you potentially don't know that tonight I am performing at something called Soul Speak here in Edmonton. Uh, Soul Speak is a wonderful, locally put on spoken word, poetry um, kind of show. And uh, your girl is opening. <laughs> and uh and and she nervous she nervous she real nervous um but she's excited she's very excited so I kind of went back and forth as to whether or not I was even going to record a podcast today because I'm preparing I have been transferring all of my work into one specific poetry writing book because I have always had a tendency to write poems that I'm working on in journals that I'm writing in at the time. And uh, <laughs> it's awesome, but it's also nerve wracking because when I'll take these like books with me to shows, I have like four different books to do certain selected works out of. So it's it's a little bit cumbersome, but it's also like I never want to lose the diaries. Like I never want to lose the journals that I've been keeping for years because they're documents of just like different things of different times in life of different ex events and circumstances. And so I decided that it was finally time to transfer all of that work to one place. And uh, it's really fun. It's been really fun reading through old work and, and writing it down in the new book. But also it's been fun because there's work that I did like there were there were ones that I did like six or seven years ago. Um, when I first started writing spoken word where it was like, they weren't great <laughs> or they were good, but they just like, they needed some love and some fluff and some like mushing around. And so I transfer in transferring all of those, I got to like rewrite some of them or like just play with them a little bit. So the flow and the cadence was nicer. And it has been so nice to get back into just that creativity and that flow and just really truly see how far I've come as a writer um, and how far I've come as a poetry writer, I guess. I've always struggled to call myself an artist, always. I feel like because my two worlds, one of my work world and my and the other world of my personal world, I'm definitely more creative in my personal world and my work world. I'm structured and organized and specific and very, very detail-oriented. And there's not much room for, for creativity unless it's problem-solving, whereas in my creative world, it's like, I'm not structured and I'm like, let's make a mess. Let's throw paint at shit. Let's, let's fuck shit up. And so it's been really interesting to kind of feel like in this, this season of my life, I'm really choosing to actually acknowledge that I'm an artist and it feels fucking terrifying. 
you know, what are those things that you tell yourself about yourself that aren't true? And then what are the things that you don't want to acknowledge about yourself that are true, that aren't bad things? It just means the acknowledgement of like being something more or different or being something, you know, not necessarily stereotypically common or, you know, what are the things you tell yourself that you're not, that you actually are? And I don't know why for me, being an artist in any way is so fucking terrifying for me because my parents were never like, you cannot be an artist. <laughs> like My parents were never like that. They were never like, you can't do art. Art is for, you know, like hippies. They were always just like, do art. My mom is a really fantastic artist. She's, I've seen some of the stuff she did in her like twenties and thirties and she's an incredible artist. And, you know, although she didn't really do that much well, I guess she kind of did, but she, she didn't create like specific pieces when I was growing up that I remember. She really like was, was like home decorating kind of art stuff. Cause that was her job when I was little was like home decoration and, and stuff like that. But, um, you know, my mom, my mom's an artist and my dad, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say that my dad is an artist, but he's an incredible storyteller an incredible storyteller. So I just feel like I never grew up in this space where I couldn't be an artist. And like, it's funny to me because my friend Dan has reminded me on more than one occasion that I went to makeup school and I became a makeup artist and therefore I am an artist. <laughs> and I was just like, I'm not an artist. I can't art. What are art? Who art now? Like, I just, it's, it's wild. It's wild. So I think that like what I, have recognized in preparing for the show and getting everything ready was just the, the nerves of like the internal story of I'm not an artist. I can't create, I don't know how to do this or I can't do that. Um, and I had to really like push myself out of that because a lot of the work that I've done recently has been work through healing. A lot of the poems and, and spoken word that I've written recently has been spoken word specifically around healing and love and loss of love and loss of relationship and, you know, moving through that and becoming your, your own self through that. And so it was, it was, it was really interesting to kind of go back to my, my work like six, six years ago. And I would say even like four years ago where it was about like a lot about like grief and loss and heartbreak. And it was like um, a lot about death, actually. <laughs> a lot of it was about death. And then you kind of see this like swing in my work where I start kind of like going in a different like way of self-empowerment and self-love and self-acknowledgement. Uh, and then you kind of see it swing back to like pain and heartbreak and loss. So I think that anybody who's ever written anything or worked on anything would know that you kind of go through these ebbs and flows and you go through these pendulum swings of like what you're writing about and what you're working on. And so getting ready for the show, I was like really nervous about, you know, what do I want to write about? What do I want to talk about? What is important for me to say tonight? Um, and like, what is the, what is the structure of that? Because like, I, I truly, I love spoken word, but a lot of what I've written is like 
processing. So I'm like, oh yeah, I, I would love to have an audience and let me trauma dump on them for 10 minutes. But I guess that's also what this podcast kind of is sometimes. But either way, like, you know, I was just really anxious about what that would look like. And so I've picked three pieces for tonight that I'm actually really excited for. So like the first piece is um, one specifically that I wrote around, it's actually two incidences morphed into one and it is, it's a grief one. Um, and it's about when my dad got sick. So about 11 years ago, my dad, um, didn't know he was diabetic and he went into a state of diabetic shock and that diabetic shock triggered uh, diabetic ketoacidosis. Basically, uh, your body goes into like shutdown mode um, because your your insulin levels cannot regulate. And um, I came home one day to his house. I wasn't living with him at the time. And I found him unresponsive in his bed. Um, he was barely breathing. And when he was breathing, it was so labored that it wasn't a normal breath. So if you think of like, think of like inflating a balloon. And when you inflate a balloon, it goes like, it goes like you blow into it it's and it's inflated. And then if you let a little bit of air out, it kind of like really fast, it goes and then you let a little bit more out, it goes until it's empty. That's what the breathing was like. So it was like this huge, like he would inhale really hard and sharp and then it would be like double to triple breaths out. Um, so it wasn't one smooth breath out. And when I found him, um, his pupils weren't dilating. He was barely breathing and it was like that. And um, and he wasn't responding to any stimuli, pinching, poking. I knew enough about first aid to know to check his pupils, to check his pulse, to check his heart, and I couldn't really get a pulse. And uh, and thank God that day that my brother's girlfriend at the time was there, Diamond, because she called 911. I was in such a state of shock, I didn't, I couldn't even think. Um, but that was one of the hardest and most traumatic experiences of my entire life. And even now talking about it, it still brings up this like really powerful, heavy emotion. Um, but I really struggled to process that. And I felt like I just put all of my anxiety, fear, and dread from that event into a box. And it's interesting because, you know, my dad, like he's alive. He's very much alive. He took quite a few years of rehabilitation, quite a few years of learning to do everything again, eat, drink, walk. Um, he had, he was put into, he was put into a medically induced coma. Um, and he suffered one, he suffered, I think they said like one large stroke and like a heart attack or something along those lines, uh, both flatlined him. And so my dad's died technically twice. Um, and, you know, he, he went through all of these things and he, he's like rehabilitated now and he lives life. And I love my dad. I love seeing my dad. I love going out and seeing my dad, but it's always been hard to process that emotion because there's a weird grief that comes when somebody lives through something that traumatic that people just don't talk about. You know, I'm very happy my dad's alive. I'm so grateful I got more time on earth with him and I will forever be grateful that I got to spend more time with my dad, no matter what. Like I, I can't even say in words like how grateful I am for life, for, for giving me that continued experience. But there's like a weird grief 
when you watch somebody you love suffer so much. And I had a really hard time processing that. And then when my grandma, um, who passed away four years ago, five years ago, five or five years ago, um, either way, she she had dementia and Alzheimer's and she was in a care facility. And the last week of her life, we spent a lot of time with her because it was a cultural thing. Like we had started taking care of her in like that last few weeks of her life. And um, I would sit by her bed for hours and I would just pray that she wasn't going to go. And I knew that was selfish. Like she was in her 80s. You know, she'd lived a good life. She'd loved a lot of people. She'd lost a lot of people she truly loved in this lifetime. And um, it was just incredibly hard to watch her go through that and know that it was going to be what relieved her suffering and her heartbreak and stuff, but still very much acknowledging that with that relief for her was going to come a lot of suffering and heartbreak and grief for for the family and and it and it did and you know I had a hard time processing that too so it was like two of the some of the greatest loves of my life like I only have a few great loves in my life and my dad and my grandma were two of those people um it just was this weird thing of grief around losing and almost losing somebody who mean the world to you and I struggled with mostly the medical trauma of it. I don't know if you are somebody who's like been in hospital when somebody you love has been really sick or when somebody you love is dying, you'll know that there's a lot of medical trauma you endure that you don't even recognize that you're picking up. You just like suck it in. It's like a weird emotional vacuum and almost losing somebody or losing somebody in that way is really traumatic. And I really struggled with that. So I wrote tons of journal entries on it. I went to therapy on it. I cried about it. I've talked to my dad about it. I talk about my grandma all the time. And I still just feel like I couldn't get it out all the way. So I wrote this piece specifically about, you know, what that felt like. And then also recognizing that the almost loss of my dad and the loss of my grandma taught me so much about living life and being who I am and being authentic and and loving people and taking chances. And I'm so grateful for those lessons. So I also incorporated that into the piece itself. So I'm actually not going to read it on here. Um, you're going to have to come to the show if you want to hear it. Um, but I have thought about doing an arts episode where I do read a few pieces. Maybe I'll do that. If you want to hear it, um, slide into the DMs on Instagram, slide into the comment section, say you want to hear it. Maybe it'll, maybe I'll pop off. Maybe we'll drop a, we'll drop a beat, <laughs> get real, get emotional, drama dump, you know, huge. Um, but yeah, so those are, that's, that's the first piece that I'm planning to do tonight. The second piece I'm very excited for, but it's also very new. It's actually one of the most recent pieces I've done. And over the last like two years, I've been working on this piece because sometimes I will sit down with a pencil and I will just fucking write and it's done. And I make like a few little tweaks, come back and forth to it over the course of time. But realistically, like usually I'll sit down and I write and it's it's done. Um, This piece specifically was just a lot of trapped emotion, a lot of trapped feelings of of love and of loss. And so I really had to like let myself go there and it had to come slowly over time because 
sometimes releasing like the past comes in pieces and in waves rather than all at once. And so the second piece that I plan on doing tonight is about an ex, (laughs) an ex situationship, an ex person, an ex friend, an ex lover, I guess. Um, And I chose to do this one or write this one specifically because I'm now in this stage and I've talked about in a few podcasts last few weeks of like processing that relationship and recognizing that so much of it I just kind of like shoved down because it was really fucking hard and it hurt and it was uncomfortable to look at and there was a lot of love there even though there was a lot of hurt there too. So like just really had to like dig (laughs) to get that out. And so this piece has been coming to me slowly over time. And it's like in 15 different voice notes in my phone. Um, And so I would like, if I got like an inspiration in the shower, I'd voice note record it. And then I'd like finish my shower. Or if I was like walking down the street and I got a voice, like I got the more inspiration, I would voice note record it and I'd drop it in my, drop it in. And finally I sat down today and wrote most of it out. (laughs) Um, But it, it ended up coming out in like three pieces. Because there's like the the beginning of the processing stage and the middle of the processing stage and then kind of the end of the processing stage. And I feel like I, I've done the beginning and the middle. So those are on paper, but I haven't really fully gotten to the end yet. So I'm sure that inspiration will come eventually. Um, and in that one, I really realized how beautiful it is to feel things so deeply. My mom used to say to me like growing up that I was like a very sensitive kid, like an overly sensitive kid. And I would cry about everything. And I always used to think that was bad because she'd usually say it to me when she was frustrated or angry. Um, But now as like an adult, I recognize that that's actually amazing, that there's a lot of people in this life who don't feel things to the depths of their being. And I feel incredibly lucky to feel things to the depth of my being. I feel things so deeply that it it like sometimes it physically hurts. And I feel really lucky because I've known because of that, I've known love. I've known heartbreak. I've known grief. I've known absolute pure joy. I've known passion. I've known, you know, great, great, amazing friendship love, platonic love. You know, I've I've gotten to know those things because I feel things so deeply. So I was like really, really happy to kind of put this on the paper. I'm nervous because it'll be my first time ever doing it on stage. Um, and I'm a little nervous too because it is really vulnerable. These other pieces that I created, I did them like I, I wrote them years ago. So like there's a like a love for them and there's a comfort for them. And there's the fact that I've known them and, and I've done them and I did them so long ago that like they're 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 a piece of me now. Like they're just easy to do. But this specific piece is like very vulnerable, very vulnerable. And so I'm nervous, but I'm excited to kind of do that one and and see what comes about and, you know, screaming, crying, throwing up. We see which one happens first, I guess. Um, But I'm very, very stoked on that one. And the last one that I'm going to be doing tonight uh, that I know I'm going to do, this is the only one that I know for a fact I'm going to do, is going to be um, one based upon feeling sexy. Feeling sexy. (laughs) Um, I love this piece. So I actually just named this piece sexy. And it's actually really funny because I don't usually name any of my pieces. I have like 20 some pages of just spoken word. And I have like tons of little short stories and little like one-liners and quips and stuff like that. But I have a lot of like spoken word or poetry 
written out over the years. And I very rarely name them, but this one I named sexy. And it was just because one, the word repeats in it a dozen times, but two, because this one felt sexy. It felt good to write. It felt good to put it on paper. It felt exciting. It's exhilarating. Um, and so I'm really excited to do sexy. Sexy I've done for several open mics. I've done it for several shows. I've done it for tons of people. I've done it in one-on-ones. Like sexy is one that I'm really confident in reading and doing because it is one that just makes you feel desirable. It makes me feel like, I don't know, like chemically like warm and like a, you know? So I'm very excited to put sexy out there because I just, I love this one so much. Um, what I really enjoy about sexy is that I wrote it when I was really starting to come into my own with my femininity. So if you knew me as a younger human, um, mostly my teen years and maybe early 20s, I really struggled with my femininity. I was really one of those girls who kind of like loved to just feel a little bit more masculine. I loved more masculine things. I enjoyed more like I want to say stereotypically masculine, masculine things. Um, and I really enjoyed like dressing more masculine and looking and feeling more masculine because it made me feel strong. It made me feel encharged. It made me feel in charge. It made me feel empowered. And so I kind of really struggled with softness and like non-abrasiveness. And if you knew me in my early 20s, like I was abrasive as fuck. Like there, I, I really struggled to find this like balance of soft and, and hard and <laughs> say hard again. Um, but like, I really struggled to find that balance between soft and hard. And then finally I kind of hit this point where I was like, why do I have to find that balance? Why can't I be one and then the other? Why do I have to, like, why can't I just have it? Like, what do I, why do I, why am I searching for it? Why am I trying not to be too hard? Why am I trying to be too soft? Like I would meet guys and like, I would go on dates with guys and they'd be like, kind of put off by like the fact that I wasn't overtly feminine. And I would sit there like flipping my non-existent hair because if you know me, I have very short hair. But like I would like flip my non-existent hair and be like kind of aggressive. <laughs> and that was usually just because of like my own need to feel confident in those situations. But then also like I started to recognize that I just am not for everybody. And the part of me that's not for everybody is the part of me that's going to be a little bit more like in your face a little bit harder, a little bit more like, no, you're fucking dumb. Like that's the part of me that's not for everybody. And so that one, I always just uh, like kind of like clumped in with my masculinity, but my feminine side really struggled to kind of come out because of that. And then I started to go through these changes in life where I started to like really incorporate my femininity. And it was actually through women's festivals and women's groups and women's shows and women's spoken word poetry shows that really started to empower me to embrace my feminine side. And I started to realize that feminine side wasn't like soft, cuddly puppies and, and you know, it wasn't pink and it wasn't fluffy femininity had so much fire to it. Femininity had so much power to it. Like women can like push a fucking watermelon out of their vagina and continue picking, picking potatoes in the field. Like they are incredible, incredible. And we don't give women enough credit for how fucking incredible they are. And my whole life I had grown up thinking that women meant soft and pliable and easily adaptable and Play-Doh. And I started to realize that women were 
fire. They were strong. They were beautiful. They were powerful. They could be anybody. They could be anything. They could do anything. And when I started to kind of recognize that that was good and that that was amazing actually, and that I realized that I didn't have to be blunt and angry and aggressive to be you know, heard. I could be just me and empower myself as a woman to be myself. I started to realize that I was like, oh, this is what femininity is. This is what divine femininity is. This is what like this incredible journey that I get to go on of being an empowered woman. And I was so excited. And then I also started to realize like the layers of patriarchal bullshit and misogyny that I just like had in my head this like black and white idea of what women could be or who they could be or, you know, how digestible they had to be. And I started to realize all of that pre-programmed media philosophy. And I was like, ugh, bleh, like, what the fuck is that? Like, you know, it started to recognize that like I had never programmed my idea around femininity. Media, other people, they had programmed my idea around femininity. I had no idea what femininity could actually be. And so I really started to focus on just being myself and being sexy and wearing lingerie. It's never been my thing. It's still not my thing, but I'll put it on just sometimes because sometimes you need to feel sexy. I just started wearing contact lenses recently. I wore them like 15 years ago for like a year. Um, and I would get these like horrific, like sandpapery eyes after like a few hours of wearing them. So I stopped using contact lenses. And recently I got them again because I, I need them to see. But I also have instances of life or shows or things like that coming up where I'm like, I'm not going to be able to wear my glasses. And I am absolutely blind without glasses. So I was like, I'm going to get contacts again. So I went and I did that and I put them on. And I used to always think when I wore my contacts is back in the day that I was like, oh, I don't think, I don't feel like sexy. I don't feel good about myself. I don't feel empowered because I was so used to hiding behind glasses because they made my face, like they filled out my face a specific way. But now after like embracing that divine, like femininity and that feminine quality and the fact that I can be sexy and the fact that I can be this person, I... I'm wearing my contacts today and I'm like, I feel a lot of shit. I feel like fucking Rihanna. Like, I feel amazing. Like, just this understanding of like, I can feel sexy in whatever makes me feel empowered and makes me feel vulnerable, but also safe. And that is what I really thought about when writing the piece that I, I wrote, which was is called Sexy. And I feel lucky because that has been one of my favorite pieces to perform. It's an audience favorite. I've actually had people ask me to do that one before, and it's it's solely just around, I think, the fact that it empowers people. It makes you feel sexy. And it's funny because I don't I, – I wrote it. There's a few quips in it that are, are like feminine from the female from the female gaze, absolutely. But like when I wrote it, I also thought about men and like how we can all do to feel a little fucking sexy. We can all do to feel like, you know, alluring or like – attractive. And sexy isn't just about physical appearance. Sexy is an absolute mindset. Sexy is an absolute mindset. It is how you come at something. It is how you empower yourself, where you come from. What do you walk, what did you walk through to like be in front of like people or where you're at right now? Sexy is like an, an, an energy that one creates and manifests and carries. It's a fire that they can have. And I think so much of that came from feminine energy from my perspective. I think that men have also, like masculines have also like 
fiery energy, but I think women's is sultry. I find a lot of feminine people have sultry fire energy. And so I love the fact that I kind of got to mash that up and play with it and put it on paper. And like I said, it's just one of my favorite ones to perform. And I'm so excited to do that one tonight. Like I said, it's the only one I know for sure I'm going to be doing. I have timed myself. I have 10 minutes. I have timed myself several times doing all three of these pieces with a little bit of a gap in between to talk a little bit about the piece. Um, and I'm ready. I'm ready. I've also like, like I said, I practiced six pieces in total and I know there's two that can be interchangeable and they'll still be 10 minutes. So I, everything will still be 10 minutes altogether. So I'm really excited. I'm again, just a nervous ball of energy, nerve wracking energy, nervous, going to throw up energy, but I know it's going to be good either way. Um, because I'm doing it because I want to do it. I'm doing it because it's the year of trying things that I've put off. It's the year of getting back into things that I love. It's the year of creativity, of exploring, being an artist. It's the year of just manifesting amazing things for myself and my creativity. And so I'm very excited. And I know I've rambled a majority of this podcast. I kind of came into this today being like, I have topics to talk about. And I was going to talk about just sex Um, because you girls feel in some type of way and wanted to share some things with y'all. But I just realized that it wouldn't be (laughs) it wouldn't be in alignment with where I'm at today if I sat here and did the podcast that I had planned for because I am nervous. And I didn't want that to come across and talking about like sex and, and sexual exploration and stuff. So look for the sex podcast in the future. It's coming. It'll be here. You'll be here before you know it. But for now, I hope you enjoyed hearing about the poetry I'm going to be doing tonight. Remember, if you want to hear them, if you want to know what they're all about, um, you can absolutely come to a show in the future. I post them on my Instagram all the time. But uh, if you if you want to hear them and you're like, bitch, you did not put that in this fucking episode and it's 30 minutes of you rambling about them, then please feel free to comment on the Instagram, slide into the DMs and be like, bitch, I want to hear these poems. I want to hear this poem. Put it up. Um, but until then, guys, thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful week wherever you are. Empower yourself. Find your sexy. This has been Aging Ungracefully. We'll talk to you next week.